Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you right now, it's uh, it's snowing in my hometown of New Jersey. It's crazy. And the lovely Joanne's talking to her family. And, and I, I hate to say it, but she just moved out here. And, and she rubs it in. And it's just crazy. And what it reminds me of is when I was a kid, we'd have snow days. School would get closed. And they don't. a lot of places don't do that. But we always had our school number in Cherry Hill East, or in Cherry Hill, Camden County. It was 551. And it always amazed me because I would sit there and I would wake up in the morning. Everyone wakes up. And we wake up at like 5 in the morning. And we're all excited. And we're sitting there. And we're at the radio. And they would go through the schools. They'd be like, Bucks County, the following schools are open, you know, are closed, and they keep doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. Then they finally get to Camden County, and they go 549, 550, and you would wait for 551, and they'd skip you, and it would be awful because you would just sit there and wait. And I always thought it would be a lot easier. It'd be so much easier. Instead of going through this whole long thing, oh, and also, if you got the two-hour delay, that sucked because the two-hour delay meant you had to go into school Two hours later, which didn't mean anything, you're up, you're all ready to play, and it's like, oh, I got nothing to do for two hours. I can watch, you know, Wee Willie Weber or whatever. But the thing is, I always thought it would be easier if they just said, the following school is open, instead of going through all those schools. Wouldn't that make it easier? No, my guess is Ben Lippitz. How you doing, Ben? I'm great. You're from Cherry Hill. Now, did you wake up like the WIP? I hated, five, I hated waiting for 551. Didn't you? It yeah. took forever. But when it came up... Oh my God, it was glorious. I know. You were just so excited. You're like, because you knew, like, it was a whole day of. And back then, kids went out in the street. I mean, back then, my mom would just, like, put our shoe, our feet in plastic bags. So we're going and throw you outside in the snow, and you'd run, and you'd come home at lunch, and you'd eat. Then you'd go back come out. Come home when it gets dark. Yeah. And it's so funny, because now, but it would have been easier if they just said the school that was open. Like, these schools are open, because there's only, like, three of them. Yeah, but they're not going to do that. I know. Well, I heard now. Sadistic. Exactly. Bastards. Now, you're, you're, your family's back east right now. Now, yes. And now they're stuck in the house and it's snow. Uh, actually, surprisingly, we didn't get any snow yet up in the Poconos. In the, really? In the Poconos? Yeah, there's, it's just snowing now. That's crazy because you always think the Poconos is going to get it the most. I mean, yeah. And so, okay, so now you're, he's from my hometown, Cherry Hill. He's actually uh, the, you're the third person from Cherry Hill on my show. The other is a comedian named Debbie Casper and a comic named Joe Matteris. Well, the best comedy comes in threes. Exactly. And you're and you're near. And so you, you, you're a big Holly, you're a big stage actor. Now, were you, were you in the... Uh, theater when you were younger did you get like as a kid did you uh oh yeah want to do theater or what what made you gravitate towards this uh lack of attention okay <laughs> yeah I've, I've always i've always loved the stage i've always been in theater uh since elementary school so you know we talked earlier you went to you went to beck and when i what elementary school did you go to uh i went to Coles. okay which is now like the you know alternative school for like really bad kids all right uh and then Woodcrest. Okay, you went to Woodcrest. Okay, so now where would, would you kids act? Cause I'm trying to think. Like, I went to Johnson School. We didn't really have any. We Miss, had a, Mrs. Orchestra. Gerst, our fourth grade teacher, always put on like a spring musical, and I was in a couple of those. And then at Beck, I did musicals. And then at Cherry Hill West and Cherry Hill East, I had absolute theater nerd. Well, I heard East with, uh, I guess it was Robert Nation was the guy. I've heard Bob it. Bob Nation. Yeah, I, know, I, don't, I, I sort of remember <laughs> I remember going to the productions and the funny thing is because my, you know, and you look back at it and now I'm grateful but I, as a kid, you know, my parents would make me go to the East Productions and I remember in front of Cherry Hill East they used to have jazz bands in the summer mm-hmm. and you'd be sitting there on the blank and there'd be mosquito lightning and it just, it sucked. And as a kid I hated it but now I'm like, well, it's cool because I remember my first play was when there was, you probably remember the Cherry Hill Music Fair. Sure. And I saw the unsinkable Molly Brown with Tammy Grimes. I yes. still remember that. Yes, and yes. that was cool because, I mean, have you ever gone on to play in a round, a place like that? I've uh, never played in a tent 
Okay. Well, most of those are gone now. That's, 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 it sounds so lame, though, now that I never played in a tent. But back then, it was huge. It was great. It would have been, I mean, that would have been one of the trippiest, greatest accomplishments to be able to do something like that. The uh, Camden County Music Fair, they have Robin Hood in the Dell. They have a couple of them still on the East Coast, but they're, 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 they're big show, they're big show venues now. That's, that's crazy how it's changed. So you, you, you're in East and West, and you, what, were, what were some of the plays you did? I mean, I'm trying to think back then, like, I think, wasn't Hair one of the plays they put no, on? Or? No, no. No, no. Uh, we did. Uh, let me see. At West, we did um, something called Children's Theater. We did Sweet Charity. Next year at East, we did Death of a Salesman and Music Man. Then we did Hello Dolly and Arsenic and Old Lace. And then senior year was like Laura and Follies. Now, if I remember Follies. I remember Follies. I remember. Yeah. Uh, now, did you? Who'd you play in Death of a Salesman? Uh, I was a waiter. I was Stanley. Okay. Isn't that crazy? Like, like back, like you weren't the lead, but no, now, no, you, no, now no. you now, but now you're in all these these plays but around got, the gotta, country. I got to give a cool shout out because I played a scene with an actress who was in the Cherry Lee's Theater program uh, named Kristen Truxis, who's still I know her name. Yeah. I, she went to East. She went to East, and she's been out in Los Angeles now twenty five something years, and TV 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 actress, and uh, we just reconnected. Uh, while I'm out here doing line. That's awesome, though, because I saw on Facebook, I saw someone, she was friends with someone, I remember her, I think she, and she was a cheerleader, too, I think. I'm not sure. She, she may have been. She was blonde hair. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. So that's good. Let's see that. And now you guys, and she's out here, that's awesome. Yeah. So now you're, you're, it's, it, you're set to do theater. I mean, you love it. You went to high school. Now, where do you go, to, what do you do then when you get out, uh, you when to I got out when I went out When I got out of high school, uh, I went to California Institute of the Arts, just north of us, where we are in Hollywood, up in Valencia. Okay, now, had uh, you been to L.A. before you came out? Nope. So you just said, okay, I'm doing this. Got on a bus. A bus. Got on a bus. Oh, that's, you gotta tell me about that ride. Cause that's just, I mean, I can't even, I can't even I got, take a bus robbed, to San Diego. I got robbed on the bus no. cross country. You, okay, yeah. So you're, 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 you're an 18 so year old kid. I'm 18 year old kid with like, you know, $250 in my pocket and my tuition paid at CalArts 3,000 miles away and a ticket to Los Angeles. Not even to Valencia, just to Los Angeles. Well, people, if you don't know, Valencia is like 30 miles away and right. when there's traffic, it takes about nine hours. So, I, so yeah, I, uh, I get on a bus and, uh, I'm all I'm great. I've got this little tiny portable TV that's battery operated. I got a Walkman. I'm set for three days on the bus. Yeah, my bag got ripped off in Pittsburgh. Guy walked off with my TV and my Walkman. And the next two and a half days was just like on the bus, how did silent. It, how did it happen? Did you just lay it down or, or no? They they said, oh, you know, everybody has to get off the bus for a couple minutes while they like you know do maintenance. You can leave your luggage up on the top. And I got off, and 15 minutes later, I got back on the bus and the bag was gone. You must have been devastated. Oh my god, the next two days was the, the most torturous two days of like, <laughs> you know, no distraction, no music, no nothing, just sitting there going. Oh my God, that's that's the country, and yeah, and it's not a nice <laughs> it's not, drive. No, like, I mean, I, when I drove out here, it was like we went through like New Mexico, New and, Mexico we, and we went to Needles, needles. We're sitting, and we're sitting there, and I know that's the only place it was. We it was freezing, and I called Domino's, and the pizza guy never showed up, and I call and I go, the pizza never got here. They go, oh, we're closed. Yeah. I'm like, because they don't give a crap. I got off the bus in Los Angeles, and. Uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Trailways or Graham, but they're like, oh yeah, we don't go to Valencia. I'll, I'll write you a transfer ticket. You can walk over to the other bus line and they'll take you up to Valencia. And I get off the bus in this little suburb north of Los Angeles and I have no idea where to go. Uh, and back then, now Valencia's really built up now. Oh my God. Back it then was, it was nothing, I've it was, heard. It was, it was the Wild West. It was open plains and desert and there was nothing there i mean they were lucky that they had electricity and running water 30 know, years ago it's true like the, the big thing that happened was like 10 miles away they had a magic mountain right which by the way people in uh, february i'll be forming, performing at jr's no like they have a comedy club called jr's it's okay. a weekend club gets packed gets great names i'm, I'm playing with rich scheidner who's a very funny guy and it's amazing because it's in a marie calendars 
I've never been. I mean, I did comedy for years. I've never done comedy. But the amazing thing is, hey, but you know, with it good sells comedy, out. Co- with good comedy, you get great pie. Exactly, but it sells out every weekend, and it's amazing. It's a, in, that's about Valencia people. A, a Marie Calendars of the Comedy Club sells out. That's so, you, so you get to Valencia. And so I, I get to Valencia, and uh, I mean, I must have been practically like twitching from two or three days on the bus <laughs> and I meet my roommate and then uh, everything else is uh, everything else is history incredible incredible fine arts program conservatory training uh, worked with phenomenal teachers uh, some really incredible people came out of that program now, was it a four-year or a two-year four-year BFA now what made you choose that school I mean did you look at other schools or did you say this is where I want to go I, I looked at other performing arts programs and that was the one I wanted and you want now you, you in your mind you knew you wanted to do stage or did you oh I wanted to just I wanted to be an actor I wanted to work in theater film or television and you know I don't think you can you can set out to say I want to have a career in this but sometimes career chooses you right now now did Larry Gennaro go there too Larry went to West no what? No, no he, not Cal Arts. No. Oh, he said he ran into you. He went because he ran into you. He said he went to middle school with you, uh, high school with you. One year because he went to East. Yeah, and then I think at, we ran in in, we ran into each other while he was out here on the West Coast. Okay, I thought he, I thought he was okay. He no, said no, something no, about no, Cal Arts. No. Right. So so you graduate now now. So I finished Cal Arts and then I head back east. Now uh, was that your whole plan? You said I'm just get to go out here and then come back east, or did you? Why had, did you want to go back east and not stay out here? I had a. Uh, uh, casting director, uh, really, really, really great casting director named Stephen Kolzak, who was the original casting director of Cheers, uh, gave me some amazing advice. He he's since passed away, and he was a mentor for a long time. And he just said, you know, back thirty years ago, uh, character comic men in their twenties didn't get hired. There were no Jonah Hills or right, you know, Josh Gads. Those guys, we didn't get work. And uh, he said, you need to go back east. You need to work in the theater. You need to build a career, and you know, you'll find your way back here when you're in your forties. See, and, and it was great advice, and that's exactly what I did. Well, it's amazing because I talked to uh, there was a character actor named Ken Lerner who's on the T-Mobile commercials and stuff. And he said when he came out here, there was he was Jewish, there was no Italians, so they were hiring all the Jewish guys to be Italians. But then all of a sudden the Italians started coming out, and so you finally they said in a few years, you know, then you can start playing the Jewish lawyer. It's just weird how y- your age and everything. Yeah. It's like, and for you know your character actor type, I mean now I mean commercials you be, could be getting booked out the butt because you, you have that fatherly look, you know, the nice guy look. You got that good look. Yeah, and you know that's that's kind of always been the plan. It's just uh, like I said, career sometimes chooses you, and and along the way I've done some. Incredible work uh, with amazing directors and actors and great experiences. And uh, that's that's sometimes living life as an artist. Now, when you moved back, did you go back to the Philadelphia area or did you go to New York? Settled in Philly okay. for a couple of years. Uh, I apprenticed at the Walnut Street Theater. Uh, Which is a great place. I mean, they have they that place has been around forever, and they've always had great productions. Thirty years. They're about to celebrate their 30th year as a, a, a nonprofit regional theater. I was one of their first apprentices. Okay. Uh, and uh, I still have maintained a 30-year history with them and uh, connection with Bernard Devard, the executive director, and I now serve on their board of trustees. Now, what, is a, what, what does the board of trustees do for I a mean, theater? It means I donate a lot of money. Is that what it is? Uh, <laughs> I donate money. I go back and work there. I've worked there several times. Um, I mean, while I've been doing Lion King for the last 11 years. It's been that, wow. Yep, between Broadway and the tour, 11 years of Lion King, I've also had time off to go back to the work of the Walnut to do, uh, first, uh, before Lion King was a production of art, by Yasmina Reza, then I did their production of The Producers, and then last year I did their production of God of Carnage. Okay, so now when you're back, but this is amazing, 11 years, you think about it, it's like, it's a great, I mean, the thing people don't understand is this, you know, I know a lot of comedians, and comedians bitch, they go, oh yeah, we gotta, you know, they do a show, a weekend show, or four shows, two shows in a night. I saw his spend schedule for The Lion King, and it's amazing, because they do, you do, every, you have one night off, 
Eight shows a week, six nights a week, 52 weeks a year. And you sit there and the show is like two and a half hours, I'm guessing? Yep. And and that, and it's like they have to give their all. It's like my friend Tim said, you know, he would hate it when he's in Phantom because especially when I was in Vegas because everyone would go out and party but he couldn't because he had to come on and sing you have to you all, you have to always be on your A game because people theater's expensive theater's expensive and The Lion King is such an iconic piece of theater uh, notwithstanding the fact that Julie Timmer created the most incredible spectacle of theater that we've seen the uh, the responsibility that comes with doing that show 100% because is because the audience expects it they're right. coming to the theater for the first time uh, it's a lot of intro- uh, kids get introduced to the theater in The Lion King, and if it starts getting phoned in or it starts kind of dropping down in quality, people aren't going to come. Right. So, okay, so we'll, we'll go back to when you got back in Philly, you were doing your So, yeah, so I was in Philly for a couple of years, kind of getting my feet. And were you getting, uh, besides being an apprentice, I mean, an apprentice basically means you're an understudy or you're just learning the trade, you're learning um, all I'm, aspects I'm, of the theater? I'm working, I'm working for cheap. I'm learning everything about the theater. It must have been great. It must have been a great experience. It was amazing, and I loved it. I was also a teaching artist at University of the Arts uh, when it was just beginning its theater program. And uh, the thing in Philly, there was great Philadelphia theater, but back in that time, Philly theater was like, well... We're going to hire out of New York. If you're a Philly actor, you were kind of looked over once or twice and kind of dismissed. Now Philadelphia has an incredibly active theater community that really supports the artists that live there. So now if you're from out of town, you're kind of looked over as like, well, you got jobs and you're not really from here. But that's good. That's good. It's I, great. I always it's think great they for should the support. Community. Like, I know what, I lived in San Diego for a while and the same way they have a lot of local actors. Even though there's all these Hollywood people, they really look into the local actors too and there's so many if little playhouses. Philadelphia now has a, a, a quality, a pool of actors of quality that I would put up against anywhere in the world. They're incredible. I mean, I love working there. I love being from there. I, I live in Pennsylvania. My home is there now. Uh, but uh, once I moved up to New York, that made me New York actor. Right. So, so like, you know, he's as, one of them. He's yeah, like a traitor. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you, like, you, you sell out. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and that's okay. But I still root for the Phillies. And, that's you know, good. Yeah, I'm a big fan. But I'll go to a Yankees game. I, you have to. I like the Yankees. I like the Phillies and the Yankees. Everyone well, goes, "Oh, you do." I go, "It's, it's, NL, AL. it's yeah. NL versus AL." So exactly. I don't feel like I'm. I, I come. Yeah, it's I'm like different if you like the Mets. You're not. No, you can't like the Mets. I can't root for the Mets. Exactly. So now you're you're sitting there in Philly. Now then you moved to New York. Now what made you? How many? What uh, made you make I, that decision? Well, I was in Philly for a while, and then I wound up down in Washington D.C. doing a show at the Kennedy Center for years called Sheer Madness that had been kind of kicking around, and uh, spent a couple of years in D.C. and then finally made the move up to New York. And now when you're in a D.C. show. Did you have to go down from Philadelphia to audition, or did someone know about you, or how did that happen? Because it seems like a, it's like sort of like a lateral move, but it's how they would know you. Yeah, it's lateral in that uh, I chased the job. Okay. So and then uh, I got hired, and then over the next uh, course of, a, I wound up doing that show on and off for like four years. What was it about? Uh, Sheer Madness is an audience participation murder mystery comedy. Okay. It's a living, breathing sitcom, in which uh, a murder takes place above a hair salon. You find out that these two guys who are just, you think they're customers, they're actually cops. They wind up interrogating everybody. When that doesn't yield any result, we literally turn to the audience and say, this is where you come in. Lights come on and, oh my God, a room full of people. And then we reconstruct what just happened 30 minutes prior with everybody coming and going that led up to the murder. And the audience is kind of the referee saying, no, he didn't go out that door. He went out that okay. door. And so it was probably, it was, it, it was probably changed a lot, your performance. Just, I mean, just oh, every, ev- every single night was different. It, it literally was, it was a, a, a structure. It was a comedy with about 60 minutes of improv okay. built into the middle. And then the hook is 
uh, when you know we exonerate one character and when suddenly we're kind of stuck with, okay, there's three suspects, you know what, why don't, why don't we take a vote? And we literally count the votes in the theater and whatever majority wins, there are multiple endings. So whoever the audience votes for, that's the killer that night. That must have been fun as an actor because you don't, you don't know what's going to happen every you night. You never it's, know It's, what's it's like happen. improv, but it's like, but the bottom line is it's like improv, but you know it's not going to suck. Like there's nothing worse than a crappy improv right. group. But for this, it's improv and they see you and they go, okay, well, there, you, you there, don't know what's going to happen, but you know, you know it's going to be a good ending. You there know? are, there are, not only do you know which ending, or, you, you don't, you never know which ending you're going to get until they vote, but within the structure of the improv, there are probably about a hundred questions that can literally be asked of all of the evidence and all of the characters. Every single one of them, believe it or not, is actually worked out and scripted. You just never know which one you're gonna get because you never know what the audience is gonna give you. That'd be fun, I mean, that and must... It's, it's literally, it's like, you know, just picking picking roses and every single one smells better than the last. Yeah, just, and that, what a great, I mean, it's one of those things, what a great night to go to work because one, you know, people are there and people know about it, so they're gonna have fun. Oh yeah, they're gonna have a It's blast. not like when you do comedy and you go where well, they don't know comedy, and, hey, what are you doing, you know, what are you doing on stage? Just, we're watching the game. But this, they go, they pay, and then you know it's gonna be a blast. They're, they're laughing, they just never stop laughing. It becomes topical. You can put in a lot of local and topical references as you know as the news unfolds, and you know sometimes you cross that line of good taste where you know if something something really bad happened. You make a joke like, "Oh well, you know so and so, so and so," right? But that's kind of fun. Well, I think the audience makes such a difference because I mean I've been to Pantages a few times. I went to see Wicked. My girlfriend loved it. I was not a huge fan because the first act is so long. The first act is like two hours, and I'm like, okay, it was. I know, honey, it's the intermission. I'm like, oh. And then we went to see uh, Book of Mormon, which the audience is great. You know, there's something. And I'll tell you the, the blast. We went to see Evita. I don't know what the hell was going on. I mean, I, you know, it, it was great singing, great dancing. But we finally, you don't really, the, and I read the reviews. They say this is one of the best casts. But I, it was one of those things I got from Pantages. Tickets it's like, like anything. Bucks. If you don't, if you're not invested in the story, you're not going to. Yeah. And, but then we went to see Priscilla, which was talking about uh, one of the best times in the theater because the audience made it because it wasn't. You know, everyone has, says people are stuffy theater people. This is like the West Hollywood, the gayest of the gay men. I think we were like, there's like 10% straight couples there. And talking about, and the cast was great. And it's just, you sit there and you go and you go, man, this is what this, and as when you're a performer with that kind of crowd, but at, it but, must be amazing. But at the end of the day, it's a great story. Oh, it is. It's great. And that's why it works. And it's just so fun. But as an actor, like in something like that, like when you did Sheer Madness, it must just be great because the crowd is loving you. Well, when everything, it's, it's. And every performance is the same. When it lands, it lands, and there's a great. Right. That's the best feeling. And as long as you're telling the story truthfully, if it doesn't land the way you expect or the way you want it to, you just keep telling the story. So okay, so you get done Sheer Madness, which did now did the show end the run or did you no, just no, say I'm leaving? It's, no, it's still going. That show's been there for thirty years. But you it's, said I'm. I, it's yeah, I was done, and uh, and I went up to New York, and I kicked around, and I wound up with a sketch group. I worked with. Uh, great sketch group called Live on Tape uh, that Artie Lang came out of. Okay. So I worked with him for a couple of years and uh, then I just, you know, just auditions and commercials and some TV and theater along the way and finally at one point, uh, you know, I uh, was actually on uh, a break from I did a couple of episodes of Sopranos and I was I doing saw that. What theater. was that like? Because uh, that it, was amazing. Now tell me because you know because the only reason I ask you is because uh, do you know Louis, Louis Lombardi? Yeah. Well, Louis was on and he was saying how because you know he's the cop that killed the guy and then he was on ER. And he said on ER everyone was like I mean not ER uh, twenty four and you know his character got killed so that everyone's like oh you know the, he said the fans said everybody Sopranos like people just yell yeah you kill oh. him yeah I mean so who did you play in the Sopranos? I, I played a guy named Don Rick Torre Jr. I was a uh, owner of a construction company that was doing uh, all the work at the Esplanade down by the waterfront. Okay. Tony had all the no-show jobs and the whole storyline that I was in wound up 
vanishing never happened you just suddenly i'm somebody in an episode and talking to them like i'm their best friend at the racetrack and then you never see me again but uh uh it was it would have been a great it would have it would you know whatever the storylines are it would have been great and uh we shot some great stuff and uh, working with Jim Gandolfini in that cast was I w- will be with me for the rest of my life. I heard he's just amazing, and uh, a guy Paul Carafotis was on who knows Jim. They they worked a bunch of stuff, and he just said Jim was just like the nicest, nicest guy. Just you know, giving and just yeah. a cool, they, cool good dude. They all were. I was sitting in uh, in chairs. You know, we're sitting in like the director's chairs, waiting for the camera to be turned around, and. I'm sitting next to Stevie Van Zandt, and I'm just like, you I'm know. Are you a Springsteen fan? Yes. So I'm, I'm a huge so fan. So I would be, I would be I'm nervous. I'm sweating. Like, I'm already just sweating. And I'm like, <laughs> I call my wife, and I'm like, uh, I'm sitting next to Stevie Van Zandt. Trying for him not to hear, which, of course, he goes, so uh, let me let me talk to her. You're, talk, you're talking to your wife. Let me talk to her. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he's talking to my wife. And, I mean, it was, I'd been on the set for a while, and I wasn't talking to anybody. I was just doing my job and keeping my nose down and trying not to get in the way. And. Uh, we were filming on location at Monmouth Raceway uh, for those episodes when we were out by the paddocks and stuff, and it was December. It was freezing. I could, oh yeah, it's, and I'm in one of those eight trailers. You know, the little tiny. You know, it's it's it, the, the, the trailers divided. It can be you know a whole trailer, <laughs> two, four, six, or eight by these little folding doors with like a toilet under the cushion. You know that you sit on with an old staticky black and white TV bolted in the corner and your wardrobe. And uh, that's where I was, you know, that's where else would I be? And uh, one day, finally, uh, 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 Jim Gandolfini just kind of waves me. He says, no, come with us. And I went up sitting in his trailer with, uh, with him, with Jerry Adler, who played Hesh, with Joe Pants, Joey Pants, Joe Pantaleone. I've heard he's the coolest guy. <laughs> I used, I, used <laughs> I, there, I, have, I have stories just about him for the couple of days that I was Tell there. Tell me, because it was funny, because I remember I used to wait tables at Planet Hollywood in Beverly Hills when I was out here, uh, when I first came out here, and uh, he knew the owner. And he was just walking, always a great dresser. Oh, always yeah. like the hat matching. Like, he's one of those guys who could wear an all-white suit and a hat Carry and not look, not look like a nope. doofus. Nope. But he's go, he'd walk in and be like, hey, I'm here to see Georgie. I'm Joey Pants. He's amazing. Uh, so, I, But I'm in the trailer with him. I'm uh, uh, a couple of other guys from the, from the show. And, I mean, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're talking about, uh, so are you flying commercial or private? They're, flying, they're talking about going out for the Golden Globes. And I'm, you know, thinking, okay, I was temping last week. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there drinking a Coke, you know, and sitting in the corner trying not to be noticed. And finally the room just goes totally silent. And I realize I look up and everyone is staring at me. And Gandolfini uh, uh, says to me, he says, so what, what, what's your deal? You've been here a couple of weeks. You don't talk to nobody. Are you are you even happy to be here? You don't say shit. And I'm like, and suddenly I become like, you know, diarrhea. I'm like, oh my god, are you? You know, and he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, because you you you're like a sphinx. You don't say nothing. And I'm just like, you know, suddenly becoming like fanboy. No, we watch a show, and I'm in this play, and blah 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 And they're just letting me go. And he just nods his head, and he turns to Joey Pants and goes, "Yeah, see, I told you, I knew he wasn't that cool." And after that, I was one of the gang. That's but that's like such a cool. Uh, that's see, that's like the stuff. You, as, as an actor, that's just. I mean, first of all, you're sitting next to Stevie Van Zandt, and I mean, the, you know, it's like any Springsteen fan. It's like I mean, you know, even if we saw Roy, but, even, even if you saw Roy Batan, you'd be like, he's still. There's, you know. there's a famous hot dog place out in Asbury Park. Uh, I can't think of the name of it right now, uh, but but uh, we're sitting in the trailer. Goes, you know, he sa- he sends like some PA. He says, gives him a credit card and says, ah, go run down here and get, get like 200 hot dogs. Tell, tell him Stevie. He just like fed the entire company. And I mean, they were generous. They were warm. 
they were amazing. It was it was really really one of the best experiences, and I mean I treasure every moment. And uh, years later, when Gandolfini was doing God of Carnage, uh, I was on Broadway just down the street in The Lion King, and I sent a note backstage saying, you know, I was in the you know these episodes, and you know we met, and uh, he was absolutely gracious, and you know you know sent a note back saying, you know, please come by and stop by after the theater, and spent maybe five minutes in the dressing room with him, and he could not have been more gracious. And whether he remembered me or not. Still just do the act of kindness. The act it's of kindness and to talk to me on the same level as an artist and just, you know, it was amazing. Now, you had some other TV stuff going on. Yeah, little stuff. Um, uh, did a TV series for uh, Sidney Lumet called 100 Center Street and then wound up doing a film for him. Uh, it's a funny story when he called me. He, call, he personally calls my agent to cast me in this film with Vin Diesel. Now, how did he know you? Did he... He'd met me for this TV series okay. he was executive producing, and he directed the episode that I got cast in. And uh, uh, he liked he liked my training. He liked my background. Uh, he knew that I was a member of the actor studio. He knew that I had worked uh, for Elia Kazan as an assistant. And uh, he just hired me, and, you know, we I did this TV series. And I came to set, and literally one take. Check the gate. Turn around the camera. One take. Check the gate. I literally did my scenes in one take, and... Uh, it made an impression because about two years later, two, three years later, he called me in for a film. He calls my agent directly, he had my resume, and my agent didn't believe it was Sidney Lumet on the phone. Because that's a big, yeah, it's hung like... Hung up on him. That's oh, oh, please, stop it. Click. Uh, so after I booked that gig and fired that agent, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I spent a month on, on, on set with Ron Silver and Vin Diesel and Peter Dinklage and Linus Roach. I'm amazing actors. And I'm Great cast. Sitting amongst them. Uh, you know, right? Uh, literally every frame of the film. Now, how you you had said something I just noticed, and I want to know how this happened. How did you end up becoming Elia Kazan's assistant? Because I mean, that's just like that's like not like that's not like someone just and you say it just like it's like like oh yeah yeah, I, I, yeah you know I was you know back in the I, day I was I, Jimmy Stewart's uh, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart's personal valet. It's like you know, how did you, I wound up I wound up meeting Mr. Kazan through uh, a teacher that I had in New York uh, that I was working with, with a group of actors at Ensemble Studio Theater and Naked Angels, and she was. Uh, a woman named Jane Hoffman, who was uh, an original actor studio member. And um, uh, she came to me one day and she said, oh, I, I know someone who's looking for a little help, just some office work, you know, and she knew I was looking for a little bit of little bit of money, a little bit of, you know, a little, little cash for a couple of hours work. And she sent me to an address on the Upper East Side and it wound up being <laughs> Ely Kazan. And I just wound up uh, spending like six months doing some, some, some work for him and getting to talk to him and uh, was he insightful? I, he was amazing. I mean, you know, politics aside and history aside, I know everybody comes down on... Everyone, they're, has they're, their, they're, everyone has an opinion and there's two sides to everything and I get it. But you know what? The work stands for itself and speaks for itself. And getting to even spend five minutes in his presence was just an incredible experience. It's amazing. I mean, he was on the waterfront, right? Yeah, wa yeah. on the waterfront. I mean, original member of the actor studio. Uh, now, what is the actor? No, you said you were an actor. Is that in the sound? Is that... Did, that's is the, James Lipton involved in that? Is yeah, that, he, 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 he moderates a TV show called Inside the Actor yeah, Studio. He's and like he's the head, yeah, he's the head of the directing program at the actor studio. And uh, the actor studio is a collective of actors that was founded by uh, Lee Strasberg, Cheryl Crawford, and Neely Kazan. Uh, and, you know, is a veritable who's who of American acting in the last century. Uh, and it's just it's just a workshop. You know well, you saying? said you're a member of that now. Do you have to go through a big audition process? Or? Oh, yeah. You have to write in. You have to audition. You either get, you know, they either tell you to come back or they let you be an observer member or they tell you no thank you and you apply again. And Yeah. 
So that must be cool. I mean, you, you, you're on the boards. You're in. A, and I mean, it's it's really cool because it's such a it's such a different world that you know that actors know, but people from the outside don't. I mean, it's like they don't understand that you know the whole process and there's so much work and you're professionals because everyone now all of these idiots are watching reality TV and they don't get the fact that you know reality TV you know if someone wins the biggest loser they're not a star okay they're well not, you know it's, it's just weird I have, I have I have a very very fixed opinion about reality TV but tell me tell me reality TV I just think it's terrible I think it's it's the worst thing for actors and writers and directors because it's you know what everybody wants to stop and watch an, watch an accident but you know what I don't want to it's, it's about it's about commerce. It's about, you know, um, I'm not saying these people don't have ability, but it's not about acting. It's not about art. Well, it's all about money because you sit there. I mean, I do now in, in the one defense, not defense, but I have two very good friends of mine who are sound men for reality TV. But they've also worked a lot of stuff. And for them, it's a great gig because, you know, but the thing is, but for the, there's not really no writing. It, it takes away from all the sitcoms and the acting. There's no good, and I know so many it's comedy not, writers who are out of you work. Can point, you can point a camera at an intersection and eventually you're going to watch an accident. And that's essentially what it is. Do you watch any of it? Not a lot. Because no. like my girlfriend likes Survivor and Amazing Race. They're actually entertaining. Those are contests and I actually have a little more respect for that. American Idol, The Voice, all the singing stuff. Those are talent shows. Those are contests. If it's endurance, I get it. But, you know, Watching, watching, watching a bunch of people in a house interact. Uh, I'm sorry, that's that's stupid. Okay, <laughs> you know, no offense, it's industry and it's work, and I get it, and it it's jobs, and I get that you know, work is work, and jobs are jobs, and everyone's got to eat and feed and feed their families and take care of people. But at the end of the day, it's at the expense of of a greater art. Exactly. I want to ask you something too. And I saw on your a clip, uh, you were on uh, was it one of the news? It's uh, talking about the producers. Oh yeah. Uh, now that when how long ago did you do the, and who did you play? Did you play the? I played uh, Max Bialystock, which was because uh, uh, I saw the, the Nathan Lane role. Okay, because I saw the Zero I, Mostel role. I saw it with um, Jason Alexander and Martin yeah. Short, which at, at the Pantages, which was a great show. Because yeah. I mean, Jason Alexander is just so damn talented. He's, He's, he has more talent in his finger than anyone has in their body. Have you met him? I never have, and I want to desperately. And and I'll even put this out there. I know friends of his when he was young, when he was just just before Seinfeld. Uh, bought an auction item for him to meet his hero, Bill Shatner, and he actually got to sit down and have dinner with Bill Shatner, and they wound up becoming really great friends. So uh, if anyone knows Jason, I will donate to a charity of his cause, uh, his choice, to sit down and have dinner with him because he's absolutely my hero. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send a message. This is no <laughs> lie. There's a guy who wrote for Seinfeld. His name's Steve Scrovan. He also wrote for Everyone Loves Raymond. He's been on the show a few times. I know he just did some benefit because he does a lot of benefit stuff, and I believe Jason Alexander was on that benefit. That's great. So I'm going to sit there and send Steve a message later and say, "There's a guy in town doing the Lion King. Is there any way, any way you come, can get? He them? can come to the show. We'll get him backstage <laughs> tour, and he knows it. Like, yeah. and I mean, and he's and he's and he's from Broadway. I mean, he gets it. And I you know what's cool about him too? Years ago, the only time Springsteen played Staples Center it was when Staples Center opened. I was there. Who's at the show? Jason, Jason Alexander. Alexander. So, so you're sitting there. So you're in New York, and now, now, are you, when do you? When's your first stint on Broadway? What, what was the show? It was Lion King. I so, made my Broadway debut uh, years after I joined joined the tour. So, I, so I'm you know just kicking around like every other actor. I mean, what are you doing? Just different shows and getting out of town. Are you doing Get, stuff out of town or mostly just? out of town? Uh, a lot of a lot of off off Broadway, some commercials, some TV. You know, just like every actor, just trying to get a gig and have a bread and butter job. What are some of the commercials you've done? Some of the commercials I've done. Um, oh, wow, uh, back east, uh, Roy Rogers. Everyone, I love the Roy Rogers. Roy the Rogers double, the double R bar. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I've done stuff for Eaton Park, HQ. For uh, I was a, 
Uh, I did a whole series of WNBA commercials when the WNBA first debuted. How'd you doing then? I was a. Uh, it was a really great campaign. Uh, WNBA, what's not to love? And it was a whole series of these like fanboy sports guys now suddenly in love with female sports. Like you know, like how do you how do you how do you root for and uh, support a team of girls without like getting emotionally involved? And it's kind of all these like nerdy guys, you know, wanting to be fans and connect with the players but at the same time like you know thinking well i have to kind of like be romantic too right you know confusing all the roles and it was a great set of did you shoot a lot of them like three or four of them did did you like did you like the commercials i mean because it's a lot of auditioning and now you know and someone who does stage you're used to the working all the time for commercials i mean you can go audition audition call back call back and then sometimes it's a shoot shoot, shoot. did you like the work you know what uh auditioning for commercials is sometimes like the lottery the more you play the more chances you are going to win uh and it's uh, I'm not knocking them. I think commercials are great, and I love doing them. Um, it's about investment. I don't think you invest as much emotionally in commercial auditions as you do for a television film, for a story, for a role. But commercials are mini stories by themselves, and you have to be 100% committed to it. But you know, because there's so many, they come so fast. You uh, you wind up, you know, you just you know, you go in, you do your bit, and if you're right for the product, then. You get it, but if you're not, it has nothing to do with you. Well, okay. So when you when you, before you got the Lion King, you're you're in New York doing commercials. You're acting. You like some of the plays. Yeah. Now, were you married at the time? Uh, yep. Okay. Now, was that hard for? Well, we got I got married in uh, uh, we got married 2001, and literally our first day back in the city was 9/11. Okay. And uh, yeah, and that just you know kind of changed everything. And uh, to you know suddenly within two years, Lion King the tour came calling, and then. A couple years after that, uh, we welcomed our son, and my wife and son came on the road with me for a couple years. And, uh, and then when he was three, we decided to leave the city and moved out to the country and built a house. And he's got a little sister now. And That's awesome, though. You know, and I go back and forth between Broadway and the tour, and then they let me out to do other work when uh, I really feel the need to do something. It's an amazing, amazing blessing of a gig. That sounds great. Now, now how did that all come about? How did, you know, did you, did they know of you, or how did you... I'd, I'd, auditioned, I'd auditioned for Lion King a bunch of times. They knew me, and then suddenly it just kind of lined up. You know, and sometimes, sometimes it's not that you're not right for the role, but the ro- it's they're just not right. It's they're not they're not ready for you, or you're not ready for them. And sometimes you just hit it right, and it's like anything else. One audition can change your life. Now explain your your Pumbaa. I'm Pumbaa. Hakuna Matata. No, is, is that is that is that now? No, because you you talk differently on stage. Cause well, it, yeah, I mean, you know, we, do well, do a little do a little just a teensy. Hey, hey, Timon, I think it's still alive. You better come look. Sorry, you know, and and in all deference and honor to Ernie Sabella, who created the the role in the film, I'm not trying to imitate him. I'm just trying to be a luff, uh, a lovable, gruff voiced, hard on his sleeve. Warthog. Okay. That great. <laughs> and of course, what, what, what does your daddy do? He plays a warthog. Oh, let me tell you, my kids and kids their must friends. Be rock stars. I am a rock star. To my I can kids. imagine because I've had people on who have like are on kids TV shows and like their kids are like, oh my god, that's your dad. Yeah. And for you, it must be like, oh my god, he's 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 Pumba. Yeah. My dad's Pumba. Uh, it gets a lot of he get my my kids get a lot of um, a lot of mileage out of it. So when you when you you first got the part that was on Broadway. And no, I got the role on the tour. Okay, now where where was your first show at? Was it, my, was it my nervousness f- for you because you were going on? It's as you said, you have to live up to this well, legend. 
you know, it's 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 look, it's iconic. It's iconic material, and there's a target that we're aiming for. It can't suddenly say, "Oh, I think Pumbaa should speak with like you know an Irish brogue." And I think you know you have to you have to literally hit that target as close as you can every time. And uh, it worked out, and I got the gig. And uh, you know, I'm I'm like every other actor on the planet. You know, uh, they renew me one year at a time, so I'm always auditioning for my job. So, the, but the first, where did you play it first? The first city I played was Cincinnati at the Aronoff. And now, how long are those stints? Is it because it sells out all the time? I'm pretty sure. How long was that? I mean, stint? we're in, we're in the twelfth year of the tour, and we're still playing four week sit downs, which shows you how enduring and remarkable the the piece of theater is but you know over the years we've played we played boston for eight months i sat down in boston for eight months we sat in philly for three we sat in baltimore for three uh we'll sit in washington dc last time was nine or ten weeks the next summer we're doing it for nine or ten weeks toronto for a couple months uh it's it's great you know it, it affords you not to have to live out of a suitcase and you know you can actually settle in and check out the community and really see the country. Well, yeah, like you said, you're where you're staying. You're in a little cottage. Um, how do you go about finding a place? Like when you're going to like do when you just say Cincinnati, you're like, well, the company. If you've never been to Cincinnati, I, I would know nothing about Cincinnati. The company, the company provides a couple of options for you, and then you know we're on, you know actors are on per diem, you know, and you have to you got to spend that because it's what it's for. And uh, you can either go into company housing or you can find something on your own. Or now, have you done company housing before? Sure. Uh, it's usually really nice, you know, residence hotels or occasionally they'll find a block of like, you know, corporate apartments. But I bet they put them up here at the Oakwood. Uh, Oakwood is Oakwood is, is definitely a, a company choice. Because Oakwood is so funny because I read an article and I know guys who've lived at the Oakwood and they said it's so crazy because it's like there's a lot of young kids in the Oakwood because of parents. So you, at the pool, you'll see these young kids. But then you'll see some guy who's like out doing a sitcom or whatever with tattoos, smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer. And they said it's so Different and Corey Haim passed away in the Oakwoods. Yes, he lived there, and uh, but yeah, it's 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 like it's known. It's like if you people if you waiting, drive up Burbank, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the sitcom about the Oakwood. It'd be wonderful. I mean, it's just <laughs> I mean because you sit there and it's if people when you drive by Burbank, you go up. Olive, which turns to Barm eventually, and it's on the left hand side. And you just see a sign that says Oakwood. I've never driven up that ramp. I don't know if there's a gate. Okay, I gotta tell you, there. there are gates, but I dropped off a cast member the other night, and it is a city virtually into itself. It is bigger than anything you imagine, and you know it backs up to Forest Lawn. So I mean, it has like that's how far back it goes. It's it's got to be like thirty two hundred apartments in there. Wow. Yeah. Do they have a, do they have restaurants in there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't have my papers. I didn't have my passport. They just said I'm just driving through. I'm dropping someone. You know? Is it? Did it have? A, is it very secure like that? Oh or? yeah. There's gates, and you know, I'm sure. I mean, you know, everything is now. It's crazy. I mean, it's or at least it's secure. They 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 a lot of places try to keep me out. So. Yeah. Now how do you how do you like? Uh, the Acumioni in LA for a few months. Yep, uh, right here now. for a couple months and first time and literally first time I spent any significant time here since college. Right now, are, is it is it exciting to you or is it just you're sitting there going, I hate this traffic? Because no. I saw you post something on uh, Facebook about. I guess you're going to see your aunt or someone or someone in yeah, Orange I, I, County. The first, the first and you day tried I was to get here. you tried to get in the 101 <laughs> at what time? Four o'clock. Okay, you know what? you'll get there. That's like when my girlfriend moved out. The first time my girlfriend came out, yeah. I, I want to impress her. You know, she I took her to Malibu for lunch. And we're driving back. I got her at the airport, Burbank Airport, and we're driving. And we're on the ramp, and there's traffic. She's like, what's, a, what's, the, what's the backup? I go, no, honey, honey, no, that's this, is this is the ramp. And then she goes, well, can, can, is, can you get off? And go, I, get, I can get off and get us on Sunset, Sunset Boulevard. Which is even worse. Yeah, it's going to be worse. And so, and, I mean, and now you live in, in the Poconos, so there's not a lot of traffic in the well, Poconos. Well, the the, no, the 80 back and forth to New York is, is a parking lot. The 80, I got to tell you something about the 80. It's always cracking me up. Back when I used to do comedy, I would drive out to like Youngstown, Ohio. 
And you know, you're you're not you're not you're not making a lot of money. You're making money. You're making a living. But you know, you, you're watching what you're spending. And it's so funny. You can take the Pennsylvania Turnpike and pay eighteen dollars or whatever, right. or you can take the eighty, which is Pothole City. I mean, when you drive that from from all the way out to Ohio, east to west, it's but, but both awful. roads. I mean, the Turnpike is like Roadkill Alley. Right. I mean, you could just you don't even have to you don't you know it's the Turnpike is worth the eighteen bucks because you can stop and pick up like beef jerky along the way. <laughs> It's just, you know, it's like, ugh. Pennsylvania is the longest. And I've driven all over the country in 10 years. Uh, my last car, I put on a quarter of a million miles. Wow. Yeah. Uh, driving with the tour. And, I mean, I've driven all over the country. And So you nothing, drive from gig to gig? or Yeah, I'll drive city to city. They'll, they'll, they can, they'll fly you. They'll, we can drive if it's close enough. A bunch of us will go in and on a car transport and ship our cars and fly and but you know, having your own vehicle on the road is really, really good because you can take more stuff and make it a little more comfortable. And you didn't drive out here. No. Well, actually, uh, sort of. Uh, my car is getting. Uh, it had some damage. It's actually back in Phoenix. Our last. We were in uh, Tempe before LA, and it's uh, still in the repair. It's getting repaired. So you're in Tempe in the summer. No, we were just there last month. Okay, good. But it was it still felt this, felt like the summer because it was ninety degrees in right. November. Now, see, so so what did you what did you think of the traffic? Because I said you haven't been here, and when you were in okay, Valencia, so, well, you you're not used to this. No, well, Valencia didn't There's have nothing. traffic yeah. thirty years so ago. So you're you're stuck in you know, studio you, you city. Waited, you waited for coyotes to cross. Yeah, that was it. You're getting on the one hundred and one. I'm you getting on the one hundred and one like, after the show, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go down and see my aunt for dinner, and I'm like, I drive, <laughs> I make it. I think I made it from like, I think I made it from uh, like uh, Highland. I think I made it down like. Maybe as far as sunset, and it took 40 minutes just right. to go two miles. And I just <laughs> call my aunt and I go, you know, hi, Aunt Joyce, I'm really sorry, but the traffic beat me down. It's so it's, it's so funny. I used to work And it's three weeks later, and I still haven't made it down there. It's because you don't want to. You get the no, I've been in track. traffic all this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not really here. I'm sitting in a car. He's the calling. So, uh, no, no, have you done anything fun in LA? Because you have such a busy schedule, you said. Now, has it always been like that? Like, since you've been with Lion yeah, King? It's, it's, it's always. It's eight shows a week, six days a week. Now, is there two matinees? Is it Saturday and two Sunday? Two matinees, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and it's it's exhausting. This is also the time of year we do uh, a lot of charitable work. Broad- I said you had a benefit last night? Uh, for the last two weeks, yeah. I performed in a benefit for uh, Valley Preparatory School out in Yokaipa uh, in Redlands. Uh, one of our former cast members' uh, son goes there. It's a performing arts kind of charter program. And we did some fundraising for them. And then last week, we performed at uh, the Catalina Bar and Grill over on Sunset yeah, I know for the Actors Fund and Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And we're in the middle of a campaign appeal right now for Broadway Cares. So, you know, after the show, we're, you know, people are out there with buckets collecting and we're selling like specialty merchandise and Christmas albums and doing a lot of fundraising. And it's, it's extra work, but it's incredibly gratifying. And everyone in the show kind of, you know, really supports it because it's part of the Broadway community. And we're all very fortunate to be where we are. So we're happy to give back. Now, when you had done the producers in Philly, when I was on a break, and when you go do some of the other plays you've done in Philly are... Yeah, said, uh, Art, God of Carnage. Uh, I took time off to do that film, Find Me Guilty. So, yeah, Disney's been great. You know, every now and then they'll give me a leave of absence to go and do some other work. God of Carnage, did you play like the role Gandolfini played? Yeah. Okay, now, how, so you were the leading man. Well, yeah, I mean, there was two, there's only four people. There's okay. two couples, so we're, we're both leading men. So what was that like? Did you enjoy it? It was an amazing play written by Yasmina Reza. Uh, it's an astonishingly brilliant brilliant night of theater it's a great play because it's different from you know you're doing pumbaa and ensemble it must be great because well, we really... did it in puppets so, no I'm yeah <laughs> we did yeah exactly yeah, yeah. We're, doing, we're doing straight theater with yeah, puppets. you were dressed as we will whoever she is they're just a sally star I, right and i had little hand puppets <laughs> no but it must be great because you can really fly, i mean 
it's a different, completely different role than what you're. It's exercising used to. a different set of muscles, and you must love it because you just fla- you're flexing. Yeah. So now, do do people from Cherry Hill come and see you? Like, do they go, or is, do you get what I used to get? Actually, I must admit, when I didn't do comedy for a long time. When I played the comedy club at the Hyatt like a year and a half ago, Debbie Morgan. I remember wrote, that. I remember Debbie Morgan. I was, in, I was doing God of Carnage. That, okay. And I couldn't. And my show didn't end in time. Debbie Morgan Roth, bless her soul. She, I talked about it. She got. There must have been like 20 people there. And she made these little, and this is touching to me. This is so cool. She made these little, like, pictures, like, cut us of me on, on a, on a uh, stick. Sticks, man. I, I remember those. I was like, oh my God. That was like the sweetest thing. Anyone, I mean, because you know, as people say, oh, we're going to come out and see you, and no one comes out. And I was just like, wow. And I saw all these people. And the funny thing is, I've been. I hadn't done a long 30 minute set forever because in LA you only do seven minutes. So I'm thinking, what if I suck? I mean, what if I go on and I sit there and I go, because, you know, and I, don't, I never prepare anymore because I don't do it a lot. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a big difference between seven and 30. And I'm sitting there. I had a good set, thank God, but because it comes back to you. Well, but I'm going, what if I suck? Then they're going to go, geez. The story God, that they'll you be do- breaking this stuff off. You, the story <laughs> you don't know about those Steve Cooper masks is if it was a good show, you would see your face, but if it was a bad show, you would have seen the white neutral mask on the back side of it. It would have been a, a, an audience of mimes. Yes. But that's so great that you know people, because it is years later, like when you did Carnage of God, do people from Cherry Hill come out to see you? Yeah, God of Carnage was great. I mean, a lot, of people, Carnage, a lot of people support the Walnut Street Theater as it is. Um, I mean, I still go home every year in Cherry Hill and produce a benefit for the Jewish Community Center. We do a night of Broadway singers and we raise money for special needs kids to go to camp, a scholarship fund, uh, fund that's now been... Uh, now has a seven to one match by a foundation. So I mean, on one night of singing, we're raising almost half a million dollars now. Okay. Uh, so I still have great deep ties to Cherry Hill and friends and family that are still friends that have become family that are still back there. And uh, yeah, when I'm at the Walnut, everybody who's still living in the Delaware Valley comes out, and I, it's it's a veritable who's who reunion. And for some reason, this year on Lion King has been one of the most remarkable for me because I've reconnected with friends and colleagues that I haven't seen in some cases in 30 years and it is exactly as if we're picking up the friendship where it stopped that happens a lot I think and, that, and I saw oh, now are they are so the colleagues especially I think that it's like with comics or actors or whatever when you know someone it's like it's not by lack of trying you, it's not like you just said oh, I don't like this well, person it's, it's, it's you're a busy sen- it's, a, it's busy and it's also I mean for all of my friends from Cal Arts 30 years ago that I'm reconnecting with which is which has really been one of the most gratifying things in my life. It's been, uh, there's a sense of surviving and still here and still working. And even if they're not in the business, whatever they're doing, the fact that everybody's still here and can still say, you know, we started a journey 30 years ago. Isn't that amazing? It's a great thing. It's so funny because I actually uh, got a text from my buddy I've known since first grade, Mark Esposito. And last night he goes, oh, I'm in Burbank. For the, the, getting a computer at Fry's with my friend, let's meet for a drink. And you're sitting there going, and as you sit there, because I just turned 50, and, and you sit there and you go, wow, I've known this person for 44 years. I don't, besides my close friends, I don't really know people who are 44 have, and up. I don't even have hair that's that old anymore. <laughs> exactly, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, friends, literally, uh, I say this a lot. There's a Harry Chapin song, and I quote it all the time. Old friends are the best because they know where you've been. They know where you are, and they know where you've been. So it's just it's amazing. It's, 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 so when you were on when you're in Philly though, that, I mean it must be great because it's just it is it's sort of like a homecoming. It is. And uh, now I love. I mean I love it. It's one of the reasons why. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I have such a deep connection and and a really great friendship with uh, the gentleman that runs that theater, Bernard of Art. I mean, uh, we started. I started. He started out as my boss and uh, became a colleague and then a mentor and and now I consider him. 
you know, one of my best friends and I'm happy to support the work he does and I'm happy to donate and, you know, bring other people in and, and, uh, make sure that that theater and the mission that they provide endures. Now, how many cities do you say, would you say you've performed in Lion King? Do you know? I mean, not offhand, but because it's 12 years, oh, no, you I, said. I know. Uh, the, this this uh, Los Angeles is the, give me a second, I'll figure it out. I think the 105th or 106th city of the tour engagement, and I've done about 89 of them. It must be, you know, it's so funny. I mean, is there any cities that you went into and you just had a real fondness for that you said? Oh, God, I yeah. mean, like, what, like, like, I mean, it's like one of those where it's when you're leaving, you're almost like, eh, I don't want to leave. I mean, what, what are some of those cities? The, the, Why do you like them so much? Uh, San Francisco, amazing city. Uh, really, really scary, horrible theater district down in the Tenderloin, but everything else is amazing. Wait, scary, scary in what way? Oh, scary. The Tenderloin, it's like Skid Row. Okay, and that's... You know, and, and I mean, the homeless and the, that, that, you know, you got, you got like, you know, open, rampant homeless and drug use, and it's it's frightening to walk into the Tenderloin where this spectacular theater... It's always one... You always wonder how the hell that happened, you know, because like, well, that's like it's, downtown Skid Row is right near Staples Center, but now it's changing. But it it's, is, it's, but, you know, actors, act, they always... They, I think everyone goes, uh, you know, where, where are we going to put, like, the dregs aside? Ah, put them near the actors. They won't <laughs> care, you know. They used to be... I mean, that's the whole point. Actors. actors are like the lowest, lowest on the, you know, society scale, social scale. What did you like about San Fran, though? I've heard the, heard the food's amazing. Uh, the everything. food's amazing. The fact that you can be at the, you know, you can look at the bay, the ocean within five minutes, and then you're in the Redwoods five minutes later, and then you're in the most, one of the most vibrant cities, downtowns. It's just everything you could possibly ask. Well, the thing I was, was weird was I was thinking about was for you, when you're in these different cities, like you said, Boston for a while, did you like Boston? Loved it. Okay, because Boston's cool, except for those Red Sox fans. They, the Boston fans are I even love the Red Sox fans. They, got, they have passion. Uh, but they just annoy me there. Because I, I have friends, who are, they're so myopic. They always watch and they go, and I'm like, dude, that's called pass interference. Oh, I know. But, you know, it's, 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 it's too easy to make fun of them. But how, how is it, because you have such a busy schedule when you do these shows, how can you actually, it must, how long does it take you to acclimate to the town and, until, and until you can start enjoying it? Because, as you said, your weekends, you can't do anything. Because Saturday no, and Sunday, and then you have Monday off. But, I mean... What? You go out weeknights. You you find you wind up uh, you wind up making the community. You wind up making your own community. Besides the fact that I travel with fifty cast members and another sixty on the crew and the orchestra, you know we're like a little little army that goes around and uh, everybody shares information. And you know someone says, "Oh, I found this great bar. I found this great place. Wait, let's go over here." And besides the normal sightseeing, you find these really great gems because you have seventy five hundred other people kind of filtering all this information about what they're finding too and then you can literally pick and choose and uh, it's an amazing experience to travel the country with a, such a great great group of artists now is there any cities you didn't like uh not not the crowds just like the city no. like, was like oh, okay. yeah there are cities that i'm not a fan of but i'm i'm not gonna, say. Not gonna say okay because i got because i got friends in the show who are from some of those cities okay. <laughs> but you know i'll just say you know the tigers and the lions they're, they're challenged because so, of their city that's so yeah it's crazy out there and it's just you have all <laughs> but i'm not naming it yeah he's not saying it don't worry about it. he's talking about the tigers and lions you know. and bears oh my now now so for but uh, chicago's a great town i'm not not i'm not knocking now, chicago do, do people uh recognize it do people know like that in the community but do other actors like sit there and go oh, that's ben lippitz like we asked we talked about gino because i know gino was musafa and you can't once you make meet gino i mean yeah. he's got the deepest well, voice and you can't forget him yeah and you know he lives uh, in burbank yeah he does um uh yes uh in in theater communities around the country you know yeah i get recognized people know who i am and it's gratifying and you know at the end of lion king uh, they're still going to know me and I'm, i'll just be an unemployed actor yeah, i but, mean it it 
it's it's not you got to remember when you're working it's not uh things don't change and right. as as much as it feels around you that everything's different and suddenly you have this validation nothing has changed well now you've been in the role 12 years you've done it now and i i mean i don't even know how many shows you've performed so yeah, we just i we just figured it out i just just reached over 4000 this year okay so it's is that's when you think about it, though it's like I mean that's 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 amazing, but it's like you know no one it's so, it's so much different than like say an accountant goes well you know I, I've I've worked four thousand days in the office right. you know it's like yeah but you're sitting I mean it's just amazing you how do you keep it fresh because that's the thing it's such a um you as you said you know there is a level of expectation and you're a professional and you're a respected professional because you if if you weren't you wouldn't be working for this long so I'm sure. But every night, it's like, do you ever sit there and let's say you're just having a crappy day. I mean, how do you sit there and go, you, gotta uh, leave, you, I, you have to leave it behind. Uh, look, my, my puppet weighs 50 pounds. I do the show eight times a week. It's, it's, uh, it requires a skill set as an actor that I've developed over the years that uh, you combine when you remember the responsibility you have to the audience who are waiting online a year before for tickets, who are spending an enormous amount of money and time and dinner and parking, and the reality of the economy being the way it is, this is a big deal. It's a touchstone moment for a family. To do anything less than your all is is such a disservice to what we do as artists. Um, I tell students, acting students that I teach, when I'm on the road, if I do a master class or Q&A, is that I believe in theater with a capital T. And a really good friend of mine taught me that. Theater that makes a difference, that can really transform lives. And Lion King is definitely that kind of piece of theater. And when you really marry yourself to that ideal, you can't do anything less than 100% or be present every single night and not be listing off in your head, oh, I wonder what time this show comes on. Or I got to remember to go to Whole Foods and not the Ralphs because you can't do that. You have to be present. You have to be telling the story with your all. Otherwise, everybody sees it. That's amazing. But what's what's funny, I should say about the 50-pound. Now, did you know when you signed up that there was going to be 50-pound? I mean, I I can't even even bench press 50 pounds. I'd seen seen the show. I knew it was a big puppet. I did not realize it was the heaviest single puppet in the show. So how how do you get in shape? I mean, because that's a lot of weight, so it's it's on you, and you have to be acting and present. The good thing is, is over the years... uh, I, over the years of doing the show, I gained I gained a lot of weight because life on the road is really tough, and you know unless you're like really 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 diligent with what you eat and how you how you live your life, it's really easy to get a little lazy about it. Uh, put on some weight, and then in the last sixteen months, I've taken off ninety pounds. Taken off now that okay. This is that's just crazy because I, I lost. So I, now, so now the puppet feels like nothing. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, that's amazing. How did because you know, I I had when I was I, had, I have congestive heart failure and I was in the hospital when I got out I lost twenty pounds. This is yeah, I weigh about one sixty five. Twenty pounds for me. I mean, I put it back on. Thank God. I wouldn't try to wait, lose it. The nine was ninety pounds. Was it this conscious effort? You said I am losing this, or was it just something yeah. you just nope. started working out more or working out more, changing my diet, making sure I'm being healthy. You know, and suddenly you know. Being a parent changes everything. I was going to say, a lot of people say that once they have a kid, yeah. they're like, because I saw there's that one celebrity chef was on uh, the Today Show, and he said, you know, he lost 100 pounds because he said, you know, he wants to be able to bend down and play with kids. want to be able to kids. play with their kids. And, you know, uh, that's a huge part of it. And then when I started realizing that the little bit of time with my family at home, and I go home frequently, but it's limited 
great quality time, but it's really limited. And the last thing I want to be dealing with is health issues or not being able to play with them, not being able to do things with them. So, um, you know, it's like a lot of things. It's uh, you finally just pay attention to what you need, and uh, then suddenly you get it under control. Now, how often? Now, do you are you going to go back to Philly during the LA this thing? Because it's you don't even one day off. You really can't. Yeah, can but I, I've got a couple of days off. I'm taking a week off uh, at Christmas. I have contractual some days off, so I'll go home and spend the holidays with my family. And then after the LA engagement, I'm going back to the Broadway company where I'll be for a couple months. So I'll be commuting, so I'll be home for a couple months in New York. Yes. Now, when you when you were play performed in Philly, because you said you live in the Poconos, did you commute? Because that's sort of a long ride. Uh, I would say I spent three days down in Philly, four days at home, or three days at home, four days down in Philly. You know, uh, depends on the show, depends on the schedule. Well, you know, you better call Larry Gennaro because I think he's planning. <laughs> no, no, I think you know this is no lie. Now that you said that, I think he's planning to go the twenty first, and your ass better be there. No, he, I actually told him that he knows when I'm out. So. Okay, good because I saw that he said he's going. I said, wouldn't that stink? He yeah, comes he's out seen, to he's see you, and right. he goes, "What the hell? That's, that's son of a bitch, lippet guy." Damn it! I knew he still wanted to get back at me from something I did to him in eighth grade. So now, now, do you uh, want to do TV and movies at all, or just sure? I mean, uh, do you, are you really just love theater? I love theater. I mean, I love, I love, I, I just, I love the art. I love the immediacy. I love connecting to a room full of two thousand people, and I love the story that we're telling. Um, yeah, sure. Every actor wants to work and do film and TV. Uh, I haven't focused on it, and it requires commitment that I can't make right now. So, you know, I'll do, uh, of course, you know, I'll do what I can and, you know, my representation's happy I'm here and they're going to be happy that I'm in New York when I'm there. So, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to cry. I got a loaf of bread under both arms. Exactly. Uh, we have to get off this in a little bit, but now what do you, like the show begins at eight and ends at what, 10 or whatever? Yeah, 7.30 or eight. Yeah. And now what do you do after? I mean, cause it's like, it's, do, you go, do you go home and go to sleep? I go you, home. I, I are you exhausted from having that weight and acting and just like, sure. 50 pounds on you? You know, I warm up, I do the show. Uh, right now we're doing a bunch of fundraising, so it's a little extra time at the theater. Uh, I get in my car, I go home. If I don't stop at Jerry's, I'm asleep in 15 minutes. Jerry's? Jerry's Deli. Jerry, you like Jerry's? Yes. Now, have you have you been to the In-N-Out? Uh, yes. What do you think? You know, uh, I'm, I'm still uh, I'm still stuck on the fact that I, I'm, I'm back where Pink's is. So I'm still, as much as I love In-N-Out, and, you know, you can go to Tommy's and everything else local, but... But, uh, I like Tommy's, uh, but Tommy. I, 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 can, I can only eat crappy every once in a while because exactly. of sodium, because yeah. I have to watch my sodium. And it was funny, before my girlfriend moved out, it was a lot easier because me and my friends would have some cocktails. Hey, let's go to Tommy's. You know, you can get your sodium this week. Right. Okay, and but now she's a health nut. She eats healthy. So now it's like, if I come home, if I came home with like onions and chili on my breast, she's like, <laughs> what are you doing? It's not like if you come home with booze on your breast, it's like, you were eating Yeah, now Tommy's. it's different. Now it's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a closet foodie. Exactly. Um, <laughs> You know, no, I don't have a problem. I can I can put down the corned beef any time. Exactly. You know? uh, no, it's just you know it's convenience, and uh, I still I still won't eat you know crap. But you know uh, we've been here three weeks. I've been to Pink's once, so I'm really proud of myself. I haven't done Tommy's yet, but uh, I'm, you know In and Out was just the one time because it's a West Coast thing. Right. It's, it's a great burger. Go to the Wiener Schnitzel. I know the Wiener Schnitzel. No, because the thing about and Pink's, I say that like I know the Wiener Schnitzel. Uh, yeah, it's also if you want a good burger, <laughs> this is no lie. If you want a good burger, not a fast food burger, go to Umami Burger. Oh, it's amazing. I had it because there's one in Toluca Lake now, but that one used to be a hot dog place too. So they also they sell hot dogs too. Yeah, and there's things look amazing. Sunset or uh, Sun uh, Hollywood. Vine, no, Hollywood. Sunset. Yeah, 
Okay, so uh, we're going to wrap up. Um, give some info. You know, people can get in touch come with and you. See, uh, come and see The Lion King. We're playing The Pantages through January 12th. You can get tickets at pantages.com, lionking.com. Uh, happy to be on tour. Happy to be the show and really, really thrilled to be in LA. And you have a website. Uh, yeah, website, benlippets.com. Check it out. Uh, Just check it out, people. At Ben Lippets on Twitter. Follow me. Uh, backstage pictures and stories. And I will follow you. Crap like that. Well, no, thank you for coming on. It's great I to have a turn it, People, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. Follow me. I always post some funny tidbits. Also, if you want to hear past episodes, I have about 210 episodes up on coopertalk.net. Or also just go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Type in one word, Cooper Talk. Can I do all those 210 episodes like a Breaking Bad episode, like a marathon? Yeah, you can. You can. Cool. But the beginning ones might not be that good because I, right. I was new and green. And also, uh, send me an email, Cooper at Indy 100. And if you have an iPhone, coopertalk.podbean forward slash mobile forward slash. You can get the iTunes app. And also in Google Play. That should be up uh, probably tomorrow. Just write in Cooper Talk. And you can have me on your your phone front and you can actually see what I look like so anyway I want to thank Ben I want to say uh, I love all you people from Cherry Hill I love my listeners I'm Steve Cooper I'm only as hip as my guest remember drink your water eat your veggies and take your vitamins have a